Oh, good morning, church. How are you doing this morning? You ready for Thanksgiving? You're just going to, Thursday, you're just going to eat yourself into embarrassment. That's what you're going to do. We are all going to do that. Um, and uh, our subject really this morning is being thankful. And last week, we talked about Jonah. Jonah was the story in Sunday school that, uh, that I remember so well. And, and I remember growing up hearing this story over and over again. And it's Jonah and the whale, for, you know, and there's the whole VeggieTale deal. You guys know that one. And, and the reality is Jonah is called by God to go and preach to Nineveh and tell Nineveh that, that God wants them to repent. They need to change directions or else. And Jonah does not want to go there because the Ninevites, the Assyrians, have a, have a horrible reputation, and, uh, and, Jonah, and they're the enemy of Israel. And Jonah, for, for all kinds of good reasons, does not want to go there. God sends him to go to Nineveh. Jonah, Jonah says, I'm not doing that. I'm going the other direction. And he goes from Jerusalem to Joppa, gets on a ship, and he goes in the opposite direction as to where God sent him. And if you remember the story from last week, and if you don't remember the story, you need to read the book of Jonah. It's, it's in the Old Testament. You can just look up the index. You'll find it. And it's actually only four chapters long. It is easy to read. Jonah himself is writing the book of Jonah. So he's telling the story from firsthand knowledge, and he gives us the entire history. It's almost like this brief autobiography of this window of time in Jonah's life. And God sends him, and he just goes the other direction. And, and you know this, if you know the story, you know that a storm comes up. God sends a storm, and Jonah ultimately ends, ends up overboard. They end up throwing him overboard. And there are a lot more details to that, and you got to read that. you got to catch up on it. But Jonah is at this point in, his life, in, in this story where you got to know he is running from God. And when you're running from God... The last thing you think about is praying. Because if you're running for God, from God, you're not going to be talking to God. You're just going to be running. And so the, he is not considering, he stopped praying probably a little while ago as, as, soon as, he, as soon as he went in the opposite direction of the direction God was sending him, which reminds me of a small church, a story about a small church who, in a small town, uh, had, this church actually had a, a strip club open up about a block away from the church. And the people were so furious. And the pastor, the pastor said to his church, he says, listen, we are just going to pray them out of business. And they formed a prayer group and they met and they actually prayed 24 hours around the clock and they, they each took time slots and, and they, they just committed themselves to this. And over time, sure enough, a storm comes in, lightning strikes this club and it catches fire and it burns down. And the owner of the club takes the church to court. 
So they are in court, and, and, and the, strip club, the, the owner of the club says, this is the church's fault. My whole business is gone because of the church. It's the pastor's fault. They, they were praying, and because of their prayers, God struck our club with lightning, and, and, and it's all their fault. And the pastor gets up, and he's just thinking, about, we don't, we, we're getting sued here. And, and, and the pastor says, no, 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 those, those, were, just, those were just prayers that we made. We, we we were just having our little meetings, and it's not our fault that God struck that club with lightning. And the judge is listening to this, and the judge says, you know, this is interesting. We have a club owner who believes in the power of prayer and a pastor who does not. <laughs> we find ourselves in places and in times in our lives where we just we stop praying about things. We stop talking with God. We, we drift. Uh, yeah, we, we come. When we really need something, we, we're right there. But, but we drift, and, and, and we, we, we stop talking. Jonah was at a place where he was running from God, so he wasn't talking to God. So this, this storm is raging on. Jonah's not in the mood to pray. And the Bible says that God provided a fish and after they threw Jonah overboard, the fish swallowed up Jonah, and Jonah spent three days and three nights inside the whale. The Bible doesn't call it a whale. We do. It, it, inside this great fish. And then in chapter 2, which is what I want to focus on this morning, chapter 2 is really just Jonah's prayer. It's Jonah inside the fish, all of chapter 2, talking to God. And the fascinating thing about it is, I, I always thought for some reason as a kid, never read chapter 2, but always thought that, that his prayer inside the fish was him bartering with God, was him trying to get God to, to, to answer and do what he, what he needed him. That's not the case. This entire prayer is a prayer of gratefulness. Jonah is actually inside the fish, and the prayer that he prays is a grateful prayer. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord. See, God says, now I've got your attention. Now, how far does God, how, how far does God have to push you till he has your attention? How, how far does he have to push me till, till I settle down and, and he really has my attention? In verse 2, he says, Jonah's writing this, he says, in my distress, if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to be grateful. You don't have any fill-ins this morning. This is going to be easy for you. And I left you some lines so that you can write in there whatever you want to, okay? And, and if, you, if you've got a pen in your hand and you're looking at your notes, I want you to underline, in my distress, just, just underline those three words. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. In the most difficult time in my life, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Jonah's a prophet of God. He's used to God talking him and telling him what he should be telling the children of Israel. He's the spiritual leader, and God gives him the information, and he's supposed to give it to the nation. You and I have the ability to call on the God 
of the universe, the creator of everything. As, as we became followers of Christ, as we're following Christ, God has given you and I the right at any point. We don't need to go through anybody. We don't even, you don't even need to call the pastor. You don't need to call him. You can stop and go directly to him. As a matter of fact, God loves when his children come and talk to him. It is so important to him. Jonah says, in my distress, he answered me. Jonah would say, you know, when, you, when, you're, when you're talking to God or when you're in a difficult time, you need to cling to God, not, not try and bargain with him. That's where Jonah is inside the whale. People often say, you know, and when they're going through a difficult time, that they'll say things like things are really bad. I've heard people say things are so bad that all we can do now is pray. And I think about that. And as followers of Christ, as follow, if Christ is our Savior and we're following Christ, that has got to almost be an insult to God. It's like, why is not talking to him about something the first thing that we do? The writer of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says, we can go boldly to the throne of grace. See, we've accepted his gift of salvation. We are now his children. We're in our lives. We are following Christ. We're following Jesus. That's what we're doing with our lives. And because we're following Jesus, because we've accepted him as our Savior, we are now children of God. And the writer of Hebrews says, we, where we are, where our placement is and who we are and who is, who he is, we can boldly, boldly go right to the throne of God. And Jesus is our intercessor. We don't need anything else or anyone else. That, that's the position that we have. In our time of need, we can come and call on God. And Jonah says, he will answer. In my distress, in the original language, that's the same language that they use for someone who is in childbirth. We're talking about in my distress, Jonah says. And then he goes on to say, from the deep, in the realm of the dead, I called for help. In the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Another version, instead of using the word dead, it uses the word grave. The King James Version actually uses the word hell. From hell, I called, Jonah says. In other words, Jonah's saying, from the point to which I was furthest from God, from the point in my life that I was the furthest distance from God that I could ever be. And he's in the fish, in the belly of this fish, and, and these are the words that are coming out. This is the prayer from Jonah to God. And at any point in this story, at any point in the whole storm, 
God could have stepped in. He could have done things differently. He could have done it when Jonah was on the ship and he recognized that the whole storm and everything that was going on was his fault. He actually says that it's his fault. At that point, God could have stepped in, but he didn't. He let it continue. He could have stepped in when the sailors finally threw Jonah overboard, which they all knew they had to do. Jonah told them to do that. He could have stepped in at that point. Matter of fact, they threw all of the, all, everything on the board, they threw it over to try and save the ship. All their cargo, they just threw it overboard. So God could have brought a piece of cargo up to Jonah and, and let him just hang on to that. This is God. He could, he could have done anything. He could have sent Flipper to get to save Jonah. He, he, could have, he could have created an absolutely gorgeous mermaid and sent her to say, this is God. He could have done anything. He didn't do, he didn't do those things. He let this story go on. The storm just goes on. The reality is God's at work. It doesn't look like to Jonah that God's at work. The moment the sailors recognize what they're supposed to do and throw him overboard, everything is fine for them, and they actually, they actually make a commitment to God because of this. So everything is fine for them, but, but Jonah is in the middle of this. But the reality is God sent a storm. God sent the captain to come and challenge Jonah about praying. He, he sent the sailors to Jonah who, who actually did not want to throw him overboard. They tried everything else. They threw all the cargo over. They actually started rowing this sucker. They thought that they could do any other. They did not want to throw him overboard, but they threw him overboard finally when Jonah told them they needed to throw him overboard. And then what does God do? God sends a fish. God sent a fish. God was working the whole time. You know what? So often when we ask God for something, God doesn't do what we think he ought to do, and we freak out. We do. We freak out. We think because he's not doing what we think he should do, he doesn't hear us, he's not listening to us, I don't deserve him to, and we start beating ourselves up and we come up with all kinds of reasons. And, and what, what, what ends up happening is we interpret this as God not caring about us. And then in different ways, we, we kind of step back from our relationship with God. And really, we're just like Jonah. There is so much of Jonah in all of us. God may have you in a 10-phase healing process, and you're only at phase four, and you don't know it. He may have you in a 10-phase healing process, and you're at number eight. You may be at nine and a half, but you don't know it because you're not God. And he knows what he's doing. Jonah, in the whale now, very clear perspective as to who God is, and he knows that God is in control. 
Jonah, now God has his attention. Look what he says in verse 3. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. Your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters, he's in the fish, he's talking about when he was in the water. Your engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. The roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me forever. I was trapped. In other words, there was no hope. Game over. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. My life was down and out of control. And things begin to shift when he's in the belly of the whale. We're headed into Thanksgiving. Jonah's in a fish. Inside a fish. Three days, three nights. God gets his attention. His whole attitude changes. He's actually grateful for the fish. But you, my Lord, brought my life up from the pit. Everything before this point was down. God sent him to go down to Nineveh. Everything was, now, now think everything's changed and, and, and the direction, look, he goes on to say, I remember when my life was ebbing away. I remember you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. You know, if Jonah would step on this platform and look you and I square in the eye, Jonah would say, don't do what I did. Don't do what I did. Don't run from God. Don't run from him. Draw close to him. Don't go the other direction. Verse 8 just opens up a whole area for us. It's another, it's another way that Jonah is so much like us. And he hits clarity here in verse 8. He said, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. Those who cling to worthless idols, when you cling to worthless idols, you're turning away from God's love for you. In other words, you're forfeiting God's work of grace in your life. You're just walking away for, for what God has for you, walking away from God's best for you. Worthless idols. What, 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 are, what, are, what are worthless what are worthless idols? For Jonah, one of them had to be prejudice. I, I don't like those people. I, I don't, I don't want to go preach to those people. Another one had to be self. I'm I'm going to do what I want to do. God, I know what you want to do, but I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do. 
if that's not us, I, I don't know what is. I, I know what God says, but, but I don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do. I, I, I know this relationship is wrong for me, but I'm going to do what I want to do. For some of us, self, self means looking good. The most important thing is to us is that we look good. I click on some names on Facebook, and, and I don't think I rec- I know these people, and I don't recognize them on Facebook. <laughs> now, makeup is not a bad thing. But guys, if you wake up in the morning and you smell smoke, and you open up your bedroom door and you go out into the hallway and you go down the hallway and at the other end of the house there's actually fire. You come back to your bedroom and you say, honey, we got to get out of here. The house is on fire. And your wife says, oh, wait a minute, I got to put some makeup on because the firemen are going to be coming here real soon. (laughs) See, makeup is a wonderful servant, but it's a terrible master. Money in our lives is a wonderful servant. But it's a terrible master. Things. God wants to get, you say, well, James, wait a minute. Is God, does he not want us to have money? Like, like when I come follow Christ, am I supposed to sell everything and give all the money to the church? We, we, don't, we, we don't encourage that. We would never even encourage that to anybody. As a matter of fact, anybody who tells you that, you need to not listen to. But God has, he wants the best for his children. He wants us to have things. He wants us to have, to have finances. He wants us, but he does not want things or finances or makeup to have us. Because when something else has us, he doesn't. And he is our, as we're followers of Christ, he is our Lord and our Savior. Jonah's in the fish. All of this is just becoming clearer. His running away from God is becoming clear. He's, he's recognizing what God is calling him to do. And, and when, when, we, when we chase things, some of us will, can stop right now and we could recognize, you know what? I've, I've made some bad trades. I've got some worthless idols leading my life in this area or th- this area. And we recognize we've made a bad trade. And in making a bad trade, we forfeit God's grace in our lives. Jonah's just calling us back. He's calling it back. He's saying, come on. You've been chasing a worthless idol. And God's pursuing love just will not let go. He pursued Jonah. He did not stop. He kept pursuing Jonah. Verse 9, he said, But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. Jonah is talking to his God again. See, once again, he's comfortable with praying. He's, once again, he's comfortable with talking with his God. But I will shout with shouts of grateful praise. He's grateful for who God is in his life. I will sacrifice to you. I, I like this about Jonah. It's, it's not like he stopped and started giving excuses. Well, God, you asked me to do this, and you know what they're like. It makes absolute sense for me to not want to go. He didn't do any of that. He, he, he just owns right up to it. He says, what I have vowed, I will make good. 
He goes right to fixing it. He goes right to honesty with God. If it's God you're talking to, are you really going to tell him what to do? What I have vowed, I will make good. And we don't know what he vowed. He, he didn't give us that. He didn't tell us that. His, his vow might have been something as simple as, God, next time you tell me to do something, I'm going to do it. Or next time you tell me to tell somebody something, I'm going to tell them. We don't know that. But what we do know is that God cared deeply about Jonah. And God also cared deeply about the people that Jonah did not like. The ability that God has to love is just beyond us. It just is. I've long ago given up on understanding God's love, how, how much he loves us. We just can't wrap our brain around that. I, I, I'm not that crazy about the people who drive on the streets next to me. I can't handle what they do. And his love is just mind-boggling. He loves Jonah, and he loved the very people that Jonah had disdain for. What I vowed, I will make good. And Jonah was inside the belly of the fish when all this was going on. And there's nothing that he could have done to save himself. There's nothing he could have done. Absolutely nothing. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't have given more money. He, he, couldn't have, he couldn't have helped feed the poor. He couldn't have done any good works. He, he, he couldn't even have got on the dream team and served. He, he couldn't even have gotten, his, gotten to meet with his life group. There's nothing he could do. Jonah would tell you, there was nothing I could do. And yet, in the fish, he recognized who God was and his very nature and attitude was thanksgiving. That's the week we're headed into, guys. We're headed into a week where we all stop and are thankful for what we have. What we have here is incredible. The privileges that, that we live in, most of the world does not have. Christ as our Savior is huge. Not only are we following Christ, but, but we have a home with him forever. He settled things for us forever. And nobody, Jesus said, nobody can take that away. Nobody. Nobody can take that away from you. There was nothing I can do. He says, I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation comes from God. Guys, we're stepping into Christmas. I would encourage you, the whole month of December to bring somebody to church. We are going to celebrate Christmas here. We're going to talk about Christmas the entire month of December. It's a great opportunity to introduce someone to Christ. Salvation comes from the Lord. It comes from God. It doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from your works. The Bible says for it is by grace that we are saved. 
It's the grace of God. It's his goodness to us. Never, ever by your own works. There's nothing you could do to earn it. It is his gift to us on an individual level to be accepted by us on an individual level. That's why it's called good news. I, I Behold, I bring you good tidings, good news, because you can't bring anything to it. It's all him. And it cost God his son, who willingly he came in the form of a baby and was willing to let them nail him to a cross. And on the third day, he rose from the dead and the resurrection of Jesus Christ changed everything. There's not another religion on the planet. Hey, I'm, I'm, we live in a country where anybody can believe anything they want. And, and many, many of you have, have, have served your country so that they would have that freedom. So we can believe whatever we want. We can embrace any religion we want. But there isn't a religion on the planet who the leader of that group of people said, I'm the son of God and I came for you and I'm going to do everything. And all you have to do is believe. And he let them nail him to a cross. On the third day, he rose from the dead. It has never been done before, has never been done since. And you and I live in the benefit of what Christ did. And for me personally, the only way that I can put this, when, when, when you recognize that and when I recognize that, the only reasonable response for me is to say to him, here's my life. Now you take it. Because you can do so much more with it than I have been able to do. What, 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 is that, what does that mean, James? What is it, does, that, does that mean I, I have to become a monk? Does that mean I have to sell everything and give all my money to the church? Does that mean that, that, I, that I have to spend my whole life doing it? No, no, no. That means if you believe that, Jesus Christ becomes your Savior. So he explained all of this, and he gave it so clearly. And, and we hear that, we hear that he claimed to be the son of God. We, we, we read in his word how all through the New Testaments, the prophets talk about the day, the day that was coming when this Messiah would show up and then he shows up and he fulfills every single one of those prophecies. Even the one where they nail him to a cross and raises on the third day. And on the third day, the resurrection changed everything. And history is changed forever. And by believing in him, he becomes your personal savior. And that changes the future for you forever. You become a part of his family. And, you, and when you leave this planet, you're going to go directly to be with him in heaven. That's his promise to us. You see, I believe that. And not only that, while you're here on this planet, you're a part of his family and he's at work in your life and he's at work. And Jonah recognized the reality of who God is and was in a fish and was grateful for what God was doing. 
here's my life. You take it because what you can do with it is way beyond what I could even ever imagine. And in verse 10, it says, and the Lord commanded the fish. God is in control, church. He commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. I remember hearing that in Sunday school thinking, it's disgusting. Oh, but it's powerful. Whether you are on top of the world or you are living your worst nightmare, you and I can come directly to him, and he will answer. If you're following Christ this morning, I'm here to tell you, you may be in a 10-phase plan. You can know that God is working in your life. We're in, we're in this Thanksgiving week. My, my challenge to all of us is let's be thankful. Don't wait till Thursday. As you leave here, be thankful the Cardinals aren't playing this week. <laughs> we can't lose. Be th- let's, let's, step, let, let's leave these doors just being grateful. Do you know why? The creator of the universe loves us on an individual level in a way that I'm telling you, I, I could never understand. I can't even begin to wrap my brain around that. Stand with me this morning. Let me pray with you. Let's be thankful. We have so much to be thankful for. Father, thank you this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As we leave here, Lord, may that be our focus throughout the day as we head into the week for our, for our church team as we head out today with this dollar share with the reach that we're going to be doing this afternoon. God bless it. Prepare the hearts that are going to receive as we give. And if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, you can do that this morning just by believing in your heart, just by believing that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died for your sins. And if you'd like to do that this morning, it's, it's, it's really that simple. And he says, and then and from that point forward, you turn around and, and you begin to follow Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if, you're, if, if, you're, if you'd like to accept Christ as your Savior this morning, just simply do one thing for me. Put your hand up and put it right back down. Yes, 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 yes. Father, thank you this morning. Oh, our family just got larger. Your family just got larger. All of heaven rejoices. If you raised your hand this morning, I'd encourage you, as you leave, share it with somebody. Father, thank you for this, for this service, for this time that we've had together. Thank you for the work that you're doing in our lives and for some of us in difficult situations with our health, with our finances, in relationships, may, may we walk out of here knowing that you are at work in our lives. I pray, Father, that you would strengthen us in that and encourage us in that. 
and bless this day, Lord. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen.